0: It's good to be here with you. Um, It's an exciting day in Chicago, Palm Sunday, beautiful day outside, almost perfect weather to be enjoyed from the window at your home. So it's just kind of one of those days that makes you want to go out and run and enjoy God's nature. And it's just a reminder that God is good. I take the sun as a blessing from the Lord just that He still in the throne and giving us a new blessing every day. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you. I was being—I was reminded as I was walking through uh, the sanctuary today, or the day that I, I, I came on board as a pastor here at the Moody Church. I remember coming out of meeting with the elders and my son said, "Hey, Dad, will you one day preach at the church?" And I say, "Yeah, one of these days." And To be honest, I imagine it to be a larger attendance in the sanctuary than it is today, Uh, but it's really a pleasure and an honor to to bring the word of God. I have often heard uh, Dr. Winfrey Neely, a professor at Moody Bible Institute, say this when before he preaches, "There's, there's two things happening here. We have a job. I have a job. You have a job. So my job is to proclaim the word of God. Your job is to pray for me and pray for the message. And that's what I want to encourage you as I open the word of God. Will you pray? Would you pray, one, that the Lord will speak through me? and It may not be my words, but his words. Will you pray that the Holy Spirit may move among us as we hear and are transformed? That we may come into, out of this time together, out of this meeting virtually, being renewed uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit, our minds transform. It, I'm not going to say anything. My words don't have any power, but the Holy Spirit is uh, empowering and to bring transformation to our lives. Having said that, I have given the title of this sermon, Jesus and the City. And to be honest, I, I came out with a title in the passage. The Lord gave me the passage. And then I, as I started to work through it, I realized, Lord, you had to help me through this. And, um, and I had come to understand that, that the Lord really has a special place for the city. I, myself, am not originally from Chicago. I have been living in Chicago for 20 years. So I guess I am from Chicago now. But I was born uh, in Mexico City, huge world-class uh, city. Uh, and a couple years ago, I decided that I wanted our children to know the city which uh, my wife and I, we were born at. And one of the things I love about the city is the history. We actually made plans and we stayed in the historical center uh, just right downtown outside of the big plaza and what it used to be the center of the Aztec uh, empire. And I just, it was really a blessing to, to take my kids there. And I remember my son said, dad, all the buildings here are old. And Of course they're all they were built in the sixteenth and 1700s very old city and one of the things that reminds us that there 's a history and a culture and actually, as they were building the subway in Mexico City, they came across the old Tenochtitlan city and they didn't know it was still there. they thought it was destroyed and as they dig more, they found out the old Aztec City is still there and uh, so it 's just a reminder that cities is where the history happens. Our passage today is found in the book of Luke, chapter 19, and beginning with verse verse 41 through 44. I'm going to read this passage. Uh, you may find it. We're not going to stay there the whole time, but I think this is a, a good lunching pad to to see what the Lord is, is going to walk us through this evening. This is the word of the Lord. And when he drew near and saw the city. <coughs> He wept over, saying, Would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace? But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear, tear down to the ground. You and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone on upon another, in you because you did not know the time or your visitation. This is a lament of Jesus. Uh, it's interesting. The book of Luke, uh, when it comes to narrating this uh, this passage of, of the Easter story, he um, stops. At this point, he doesn't take Jesus through into the city. And as a matter of fact, we, when we read this passage, sometimes we don't know exactly what to do with it. And yes, it reveals an insight into, into Jesus' heart. Actually, I think it reveals more than that. Dr. Suver, in his commentary on, on the book of Luke, he writes it. When we come to this passage and we read, he drew near the city and he wept over it. A lot of times we think like maybe he had a few tears, just a sentiment because of things that were going to happen. But he says he's basically, he broke out in tears. It was a lament. It was deep feeling. When Jesus comes and approaches the city, before he goes in, he sees the whole city. And the one thing that happens is that it breaks his heart. This is not just because he saw the city. It's because... Luke takes us in a journey, beginning in chapter 9. He takes us in a journey where Jesus comes from Galilee and travels all the way to Jerusalem for a last time. It's 10 chapters where we see Jesus doing powerful miracles, uh, healing people, uh, casting out demons, feeding thousands, confronting the, the religious leaders of the time. And this whole time, Jesus knows where he's going to. See, he was very intentional. The whole ministry of Jesus was running on God's, his father's time. He often said, it's not time. It's not time. But when it gets to chapter 9, verse 51, he says, and then Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. It was time. And when Jesus starts traveling towards Jerusalem, he begins in this time, to feel the burden. This is not the only place where Jesus laments over the city of Jerusalem. Actually, in, in chapter 13, in verse 34, he says, Jesus, again, he, he's being warned that if he goes to Jerusalem, he will be killed. And Jesus will not be deterred. He has turned his face towards Jerusalem. He will be obedient to the Father's plan. And in chapter 13, again, he expressed a lament for, Jesus, for Jerusalem where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Sent to it. How often will I have gathered you, your children, together as a hand gathers her brood under her wings and you will not. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a powerful, powerful lament. Jesus knew from the beginning of his journey back to Jerusalem that there was judgment coming over the city. Now, Jerusalem was the heart or the Jewish people. I mean, if you think of it, it goes back to Abraham where he pays tithes to Melchizedek in the same place where Jerusalem was, where David built a great city, where Solomon built a temple. You know, Jerusalem represents God's interaction with his people. It's a holy city. And here comes Jesus right before these final week in earth, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You don't see it. You don't see it. You don't see what it takes, what, to make peace. Interesting enough, when you look at verse 42, it says, "Saying, What would you, even you, had known on this day, things, the things that make for peace." I I got stuck there in the little a couple of words, "even you," and, and tried to understand why why would Jesus say this. But the reality is that that. The name Jerusalem actually means city of peace. And it's kind of uh, ironic that he comes to Jerusalem and Jerusalem is trying to make peace. I mean, at this time, the, 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 the chief uh, priest, right, the Sanhedrin, uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, they're all trying to keep peace because Rome is on top of it. So they're playing this political game of maintaining the peace, some kind of balance. And Jesus kind of said, listen, you got it all wrong. You don't know what it takes to make peace. You have missed the mark and you don't see it. And because you have missed the mark, there's gonna be a great destruction in the city. Historically, we know then uh, in the year 70 AD, Titus the Roman brought destruction over the city. And it wasn't rebuilt. And Jerusalem was not the same until uh, the current state of Israel was established. So what made God declare this judgment over this beautiful city that represented so much, such a history of the relationship of God with his people? Well, we got a glimpse on chapter 13. When the Lord sent prophets, they didn't listen to them. Actually, if we go back to the earlier chapter, well, earlier passages in chapter 19, we see that that there is a story of 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 the Lord giving that denarii. They said, chapter 19, verse 11, he he tells the story. He says, another man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and then returned, calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. And he said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We don't want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants To whom he had given the money to be collected to him, that he might know what they had done, what had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, "Lord, your miner has made ten miners more." And he said to them, "Well done, good servant, because you have done, you have been faithful in very little, you shall be, you shall have authority over ten cities." And the second came, saying, "Lord," Your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and read what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and that on my coming I might have collected in the interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten miners. I tell you to everyone who has more will be given Uh, For he who has not, even what he has not will be taken away. But for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. It's a very sovereign story where Jesus is saying that people have received from the Lord a gift, things to knowledge, And things to work, and he said, put them to good use. Jerusalem had received from the Lord the law, had received grace, instruction, an invitation to be his people. And yet, when the Lord came, when the Messiah came, they said, We don't want him to rule over us. We don't want anything to do with him. They're rejected. And therefore, there's judgment, and that's why when we read the, the passage uh, in verse of 43, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you, and then it goes down to verse 44, for because you did not know the time or your visitation. When the Bible talks about visitation, talks about the Lord coming to see a people and either blessing them for their obedience or passing judgment over them. Here is Christ coming to see his people, the Messiah, and they have rejected him. They say, we don't want you to rule over us. We're fine. Thank you very much. God is a benevolent God but he's severe too. He will hold us accountable for the things that we do and what we do with the things that he got given us, the understanding of his word. If anybody could know God was the Jewish people, was Israel, his people. They were the one that received the, the law. They're the one that received the word of God. They're the ones that were given the system of sacrifice so they could understand that our sinful life required payment. And yet we can be too hard on them. Because just like any human being, it's very easy to lose sight lose sight of what's important. It's very easy to substitute you know the true meaning of something with the action. And we can become ritualistic people. We can become, forget what really the action means and represents. And lose sight of what is the truth. Jesus was that Lord that came back. After receiving the kingdom, he will come back and people say, we don't want anything to do with you. So the judgment was coming to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And Jesus was not happy about it. He was heartbroken. See, it doesn't bring pleasure to God to bring judgment over the people, over humanity. His desire is his love and his desire for us to be in relationship with him, not to punish us. But being a holy God, holiness and sinfulness cannot live together. So here is Jesus weeping. Not just a gentle weep, but a sorrowful weep. He says, There will be not only you, but your children. Good and bad will suffer when Jerusalem was destroyed because they rejected him. We live in a great city. Dio Moody, actually, um, I understand that he he was not too particularly crazy about Chicago. Actually, he didn't quite like the city a whole lot. I'm not an expert in his life, but that's my understanding. Yet he understood that the cities were strategic. And this is something he, he said. Cities, he said, are centers of influence. Water runs downhill, and the highest hills in America are the great cities. If we stir them, we shall stir the whole country. You know, Dion Moody established three schools. One here in Chicago and two somewhere up north. Today, there's only one school. The one here in Chicago, Moody Bible Institute. And Moody Bible Institute is, is being used by God to stir the world. We have not only students coming to, to prepare, but just the ministries around the city. You see, God uses the church in the city to stir the whole country. God wanted to stir Jerusalem. He, Jerusalem represented so much. Yeah, the people around, they, they believe in him, but it, when it came to the city where, where the leadership was making decisions, where the heart was of the people, they rejected him. and They crucified him. You know, we... we We have been given minus each one of us and the minus came in the form where where the holy spirit came and indwelled us 50 days later there was another crowd this crowd was gathering to hear fishermen preach peter was indwelled by the holy spirit he was given a treasure and he was called to preach. And he said when he started preaching, thousands of people came to accept Christ. And, I, and from the city of Jerusalem, started spreading out to the whole world. Even now, we, we have it here in the United States. The gospel of Jesus Christ was started the day of Pentecost. Now, you and I have been given minas. We have been given treasures. We have given knowledge, skills, talents and and the question this palm sunday is what are we going to do with them how are we gonna do it how are we gonna use them i look around and and i'm amazed of, of how the church is responding in this time of crisis how technology is being utilized you know i i get the privilege of leading the hispanic and the men's ministry and We're having Bible studies and prayer meetings, and there's more people attending than we just had them here in the building. And it's so encouraging to see how God is using the resources he's given us to reach more, to bring people closer together, even though we're supposed to be apart. What are we going to do with the minors that the Lord has given us? He has put us to work in his vineyard. We are supposed to carry fruit. It's, it's fruit that is carried through the Holy Spirit, but we're going to be whole accountable for that. As a church, we need to be intentional and strategic about how we look to influence others by sharing the gospel. This is not the time to sit back and just have a feel-good time in the Word of God. This is a time when we take the Word of God and we have to put it to work. This is a time when we need to tell people and express why we are not scared. Peter reminds us that we need to be ready to give a reason for our faith, especially when things are bad. Right now is a great opportunity for the church to be the church. We have to take the word of God because our eyes are open. We understand what Jesus is doing. We, are not, we have not been blinded, but we have been set free by his, by his sacrifice on the cross. And we celebrate because we now we live in the power of his resurrection. And the question is, what are we going to do? with the resources and the skills and the calling that God has put on us. I do not, I do not want to be in a place when Jesus visits Chicago and he says that we have squander. I want to encourage you. I don't want to discourage you but I want to encourage you to, to turn this time into prayer. Take, Gather your family and, and just take this opportunity as a family to make a commitment to use the things that the Lord has given you to reach others with his gospel. It's not to be confrontational. It's to do it, Peter says, to be gentle, to be respectful as we share the reason for our faith. We can be living in the most difficult time and Christians are the people who can Live without fear, and it's an opportunity to tell others: Jesus is a cornerstone that was rejected, but you have an opportunity to accept it and build a house on solid ground. Let's be the church. Let's reach out. Let's take an opportunity to bear grapefruit. Allow me to pray, Heavenly Father. We uh, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, what an amazing time we are living in. Lord, technology is so advanced, knowledge and understanding of nature and and the world is so advanced, and, and yet the understanding of the grace of you is still lacking in many parts of this world. Here in Chicago, Lord, I pray that you will make us a church whose heart is broken for the people, to bring to them the understanding of the loving, saving grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, allow us to use the talents, the minors that you had given us to bring new fruits to you. Lord, let us be a people who stand before one day when you come back, stand before you, and we want to hear those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we don't want to do it for the power. We want to do it for your glory. Lord, will you please exalt yourself in us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. And give us the grace we need to be faithful to the very end. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.